Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You'll be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or the Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our special guest. Thank you so much for joining us here at Valpo. Thank you for joining us at all of our campuses, Wanatel, North Judson, Hebron, Westville, MPH, again, it means so much that you've been with us today and then also being with us this past month. We are in and finishing up a series on limitless living, right? And again, I know it's crazy to think about. For some of us, it feels like it's been the snap of a finger. And for others, it feels like we are 75 days into the month of January, but we're officially 28 days into this year right now, and it was just 28 days ago, we were sitting here on a Sunday morning, uh, New Year's, and, and again, we were, we, were, and we were talking again about what does this life look like? What is it that we've got to do to live a life that has limitless possibilities through what God has in, in store for us? And it, and it was one month ago, and for some of us, for some of us, it's been a really good month. Things that we talked about just a month ago, and, and we dedicated, and we set plans, and we set goals, and we saw stuff. We've, we've seen it un, start to unfold for us, right? For some of us, it's been that. And for others of us, it's, it's been the opposite. Like, we, it wasn't even that long ago we were sitting here, man, I really want to see this happen. I want to break this. I want, I want to see things start unfolding for me. And, and here we are, and, and it, like, we, can't, we can't wait for the next month to start right? Like, I don't know if you fall into that, but, but do me a favor real quick. As, as we get ready to roll into this, I want you to, to rewind in your mind real quick to January of 2023, right? One year ago, January of 2023. Re- just rewind. And if I ask you this, coming into 2023, just one year ago, what did you hope would be different about your life? Right? Coming out of 2022, going in to 2023, what was it that you were hoping would not be the same? What was it that you were hoping would change? And to be honest, some of you, uh, like myself, there's times where when I go back and I think about that, and it just a year, it could be two years, it, I don't know what it is, I can get extremely bummed out. Like I can, I can get discouraged because things didn't quite unfold. They didn't quite happen. They didn't come to pass like I'd hoped that they did. Some of us last year, we were really, really hoping that things would be different. We had dreams for our families. We had dreams for our relationships. We had grand ideas of what we wanted the year 2023 to look like. And here we are, January 2024, and we're sitting there wanting the exact same thing. Nothing's changed, right? And again, it's not it's not that we were off base because obviously it's important to us. Some of us, we had hopes for our health a year ago, 2023. We were sitting here and we were, we were wherever we were and we were thinking, I want 2023 to be the year where I finally get my health in order and here we are, January 2024 and our health is worse, right? This, this is something that happens and it can get discouraging. Others of us, maybe we were sitting here and we wanted last year to be the year that we formed a deeper relationship with God and we, and we had a plan. And, and maybe we started off with doing devotions every single day and we tried to uptake our, our spiritual, like our conversations with God and our prayer life and we had big plans, but then, but then here we are a year later and, and we're right back where we were. 
Now, now let me ask this. In this room right now, present tense, right? We're back. We're in reality. What is it that you hope to be different for your life right now? Forget everything in the past. Where you're sitting in this moment, what is it that you want to see different? Because, because chances are, most of you in this room, you can give me not just one thing that you'd like to see different in your life. You can give me two, three, four things. Some of, some of us, our list can be really, really long. Right? Some of us, we go back to health things. And that's an easy thing because we can't escape ourselves. Right? So sometimes that's the first thing that comes up is, is we have health goals right now. We want to lose weight. We want to, we want to run. We want to exit. I don't know what it is, but you have health goals. And, and, and that's, that's okay. Some of you, you have, uh, you have goals when it comes to go to work. You want to see your work life different. Or maybe you want to see your work-life balance different this year. And that's great. And you're sitting here and you, and you can have that. And that can be something that you have. Maybe you want to start seeing uh, your gifts be used in church differently or fully. Like, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but most of us, you could be able to sit here and name a specific thing that you would like to see different. All right? For sake of this activity, if, if that's something, just keep that in your mind. Keep that in mind. What is it that you would like to see different? I, and, and maybe some of us, it's I want to see God do something specifically in my life right now. I want, maybe, to do something for God right now in my life. So write down. And here's what I've learned. This is, this is something I've experienced in my life. Experience it in many different occasions, and maybe you've experienced it. I've seen others encounter this, right? I've, I've learned this. As soon as I've decided to be different, Satan gives me excuses to stay the same. I'm telling you, it's, it's settings like this sometimes that Satan can start to become the most active in our minds. Settings where we decide... We want to see something different because here's what, I, here's what I know for most of you as you're processing it, you've got some very, very good things that, are, that you're working through in your mind. You're like you're looking inside yourself right now and, and it's good stuff. And, and as soon as we do that, we have a very real enemy that no, wants nothing more than to see you fail and fall flat on your face, right? Excuses are very real. How many of you guys experience excuses all the time? Anybody in here? How many of you have kids? It's a constant revolving door of what excuse are you going to give me right now, right? So there's, there's some excuses that I have uh, that, maybe, that maybe you hear, and, and just, just some things to help us kind of process this out a little bit. Um, there's some excuses. Now, I don't have a picture for this one, but a common excuse I've heard a lot uh, we're in basketball season right now. The refs were terrible. I wish I would have grabbed a picture for that one. That's a very common excuse that I hear all the time working with high schoolers, right? But I don't have that picture. That was just one that I thought of. But here's, a, here's an excuse I hear all the time. I wanted to make it a priority so bad, but my kids' schedules are crazy. Oh, man, I hear that. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I feel that one, too. But, but for sake of this today, when I say it, it's a reason. When other people say it, it's an excuse, all right? I just wanted to just groundwork laid out. It's a reason, no. But listen, isn't that real? We have a lot of things that we, in our minds, we want to start doing, but then we look at our calendar, and we get stressed out before we even look at the writing on the calendar, Multiple things, multiple day. Maybe you have, multi, you have different age group kids. You have uh, in-laws that, that are wanting you to do things. Cousins, nieces, grand. I don't know what it is, but all of a sudden your schedule gets filled up. Work schedule. 
recreation schedule, I don't know, but it gets filled up and all of a sudden we really wanted to do that, but our schedules are out of control. Right? Another, another excuse, I want to stop doing this so bad, but I have zero self-control. I just can't control myself. Right? And I think about that, like maybe you want to start eating healthy, maybe you want to start cutting out sugar, maybe you want to practice moderation, then you go to work and you go into the staff lounge or the teacher's lounge or wherever it is that you're at, and there's always food every single time, and it's free, and you can't stop yourself. And you think, man, it would be so much easier if that wasn't there, but really what we're saying is it'd be so much easier if I had some form of self-control, right? And it's not just food. Right? That's other areas of our other areas of our life. It would be it would be so much easier if I wasn't around the friends that constantly do the things I'm trying to stop doing. Right? Self-control. It'd be so much easier to stop watching certain things if it wasn't always thrown on TV right in front of me all the time, or if it wasn't every time I scrolled on TikTok or on social media, it'd be so much easier if they just didn't throw it in my face, right? It's self-control, right? It's these are these are excuses I'm telling you, it's excuses we make. Or how about, how about this one, maybe? I'm sorry I'm running so late. It was a mi- nightmare getting out of bed this morning. That's the nightmare that usually takes place right there, that I just did not wake up on time, right? But again, it's margin. A lot of the times we make excuses for our lack of planning, our lack of prioritizing. It can be an excuse. This is one, this is one right here. Maybe you've heard it or maybe you've used it as, I wish I could, but my wife said no. That's like the trump card for me. Oh, let me ask Kelsey real quick. And then I don't even walk to her. Yeah, yeah, she said I can't go. I'm sorry. Family stuff, schedule, all of that. It all wraps up into one, right? No, but listen, these, these are things real quick where, where if we're not careful, when things are important and it's things that we want to get done and we have people in our lives that don't have the same priorities or don't place the same importance on things that we want. Or things that we're sitting here right now in our mind where we want it so bad, but the friends and the people we hang out with, hang out with not only do they not fan that flame in us, they pour cold water on it. Because they don't want it. They don't want you to grow. Why? Because it shows them how little they are. And it happens. And here's, and here's, the, here's the last excuse I, I thought of. I'm going to be honest with you. It gr- this one grinds my gears hard. I promise you it does. And, and, it, and I hear this excuse. You actually, if you were here two weeks ago on Sunday, the pastor preaching on this stage made this excuse, and I almost came out of my seat and came up, grabbed a mic, and did it. I, I heard this excuse, and, I, and it's, John, I almost died last time. There's no way I'll ever let you talk me into going whitewater rafting again. Right? And again, you might think he's exaggerating. He almost died twice. The second time, he drug me in with him to make sure if he dies, somebody else is going with him, right? But listen, it's true, but, but here's the, this is what the, the root of this excuse is. The root of this excuse is, I remember what happened last time, and the fear of it is going to keep me from stepping out next time. Man, excuses that we make, when, when we have the potential for limitless living, we have all of this start going, and and we hear it on repeat, maybe from other people, and let's be honest, from ourselves. Jesus in uh, the book of Luke was actually talking about excuses, and and if you look at it, it's it's found in Luke 14, and and the story that he tells is actually, it, it it was led by him talking to a group of people about the importance of humility 
and priorities. Being humble and understanding what is important. And he actually put those two things in the same illustration before this. And he's talking to them. And you, and you understand, I challenge you, go read Luke chapter 14 in its entirety. But right here, you can miss the impact of what Jesus is trying to say if you just read this. Because those that were there understood Jesus was talking about eternity. And not about just a dinner feast. Right? So Luke chapter 14, 16 through 18. I have it on the screens. It's, Jesus is saying there was a certain man that was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Get this, preparing a banquet, a certain man, for guests, and it was on their radar. They were invited to this. They knew about it. It didn't come out of left field. He invited many people. They knew about it. And at that time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those that had been invited. And he said, come, the time is now, everything is ready. But, they all started making excuses, right? Now, for them, they were making, they were explaining their reasoning for not going, but they started making excuses. And if you start reading their excuses, again, you might look at them and think, man, that's, that's a silly excuse. That makes no sense. Why would they say that? That's kind of funny. I don't get it. Why didn't they just put it off to the side? They knew this was coming, yet they didn't prepare themselves for it. One, one man uh, after this, he said, I just bought a field, and I need to go and see it. He said, I can't come to this party that I knew about, this great banquet, because I just bought something that came up out of nowhere, and I need to go see my investment. He, he, he displaced his priorities based on what he thought was important because of what he had invested into it right now. In that moment, nothing was more important than going and seeing this piece of property that he had just bought. And this was the thing that was his schedule is crazy. Things are popping up. I need to go do it. Another guy said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go and try them out right now. In him, he was thinking, I just bought this. This is important because if this purchase fails me, I'm not going to be able to till the ground. I'm not going to be able to do what I need to get done to provide for my family, to provide for others, to fulfill contracts. So he's got all of this going through his mind, which all of a sudden is more important than the great banquet by a certain man that he was planning on going to, but something came up. And another guy says, and this probably would have been me if you throw me back there, I just got married, and so I can't come. Except he didn't blame his wife, right? I can't come because my brand new wife said that we need to spend time together. But he, he did that. He did that. These are excuses, real excuses that Jesus threw out there. And immediately upon invitation, there was excuse after excuse after excuse. And much like many of us in this room, I would like for this to be different about my life, but I tried it last year, I gave it some time, and it didn't work out. I've done it two or three times now, and I can't quite figure out how to make it important to me in my own mindset. We, we might say things like, man, I'm just not good enough. There's people that are far better than me that have the skills in order to do it, and I'm frustrated at my lack of ability and understanding my inadequacies. Or some of us can do this, is we set our sights on growing and being better in certain areas of our life, and then we play the comparison game, and we start looking at other people and say, well, you know what? Maybe I'm actually not as bad as I thought back on January 1st. 
And so I don't actually need to put the effort. And we start doing this. We make compromise and after compromise, excuse after excuse, which is exactly how it unfolds the way that Pastor Phil said uh, the first Sunday that we were here. Is, he said that's why a full 40% of New Year's resolutions are already gone by the end of January. And the studies that he shared is that by February 15th, three quarters, 75% of people that were sitting in this room have already given up on their New Year's resolution and their goals. And I think there's a reason why, and here's, and here's what I think it is. I think that every single idea that maybe popped into your head a month ago or popped into your head right now, I think at its core, it's a great idea. It's probably really good stuff. And if you did it, you would be really good. You would be much better. And, and it's things that, that, that would have great potential, but here's the problem is we rely on our own strength. We rely on our own resources. We rely on our own understanding. We rely on our own situations that we're in. We let it all impact it. And our own strength and our own resolve is limited. The reason is, for many people, we've got good intentions, but not God intentions in our life. And there's a tremendous difference. Good intentions, they center around me. When I have a good intention, I doubt anybody sat in here, and when I asked you to start thinking things, I doubt that you had bad intentions on how you'd like to hurt others around you. And If you did, I'll make sure that we add that into the altar call today. But I doubt, I highly doubt there were bad intentions for you or bad intentions for, the other, for others. They're, they're centered around me. This is what I would like to see different about my life because it would make my life better. That's good, that's good intentions. But God intentions, they're not me-centered. They're very different. They're God-centered. They put his plan, they put his purpose right in the middle of everything that we can see. And instead of being based on my abilities, they're based on God's strength. They're based on God's resolve. They're based on God's resources. And his everything that he has, they're based on him and what he has for us. And I'll tell you, look around this room that you're sitting in right now. Because back in 2003, this was a God-centered vision. Not me-centered. Heartland, in our Valparaiso campus, it's God-centered. It was, it was, what does God want this church to do? And he spoke through Pastor Phil and our leadership team and our board. God, what is it that you want us to do to be able to reach our community to where the mayor can look at us in 2024 and make such an impactful statement like that started to unfold back in 2023 because it was a God-centered idea. If you're sitting over at Wanatal right now, look around the room. If you're watching, that's a God-centered idea. God, what is it that you want to do in our community right now for individuals? Not to put butts in seats, but what kind of impact do you want us to do in the students at Tri-Township School? What is it that you want us to do for the families that are sitting here right now? North Judson has transformed because of God-centered ideas. I'm going to tell you right now, that town... The city of North Judson, the town of North Judson is different because God has had his hands on it the last 11 years, unlike, unlike the recent past. There's people that have said this statement to me and to Pastor Phil and to Pastor Matt when Pastor James is not in the room, which makes it probably more valid, right? Is that North Judson has not been the same 
since Heartland has been in it. I'm going to tell you right now, full throttle, look around you. Look around that building right now. That has to be God-centered because it makes no sense. A motorcycle church. (laughs) It makes zero sense. The best thing of that motorcycle church for me is that I get, I get to wear a, a leather vest at church. Again, I never wear it whenever I can. Sometimes I get self-conscious putting on because it's so, but again, the best thing about, about it is it's come as you are to where it's filled with people, yes, that ride their motorcycles to church. It's filled with others that have never stepped foot in a church that they felt so loved and so welcomed and they would never step foot on a motorcycle because they know God's moving over there and it's God-centered. I'm going to tell you right now, you know it's God-centered when it seems nearly impossible. And the only way that happens is when we stop making excuses. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're sitting in this room, you're in the thick of it right now when it comes to the Sunshine Center. Be careful of the excuses that we make trying to limit what God has planned to do. I'm going to tell you, it's God-centered. Why? Because it's about them and it's not about us. I'm going to tell you right now, God-centered vision, God-centered intentions are generation-changing and not just life-changing. I want to ask you two questions real quick as, as we get ready to, to turn this a little bit. Two questions. I, we asked something similar to our students uh, last Sunday night. I, these, are, these are questions that I really like to reflect. This, it's a filter that I, I like to run things through, right? The first question I want to ask, instead of saying, what do you want to see different in your life, what does God want to be different about your life? Because it's a completely different question. What does God, the creator of the universe, who loves you more than you can ever imagine, want to see different about the life that you live? What does the same God that wove you together with a purpose and with intent, want to see altered in your life? That's, that's a question I want to figure out because what, what I'd like for you to do right now prayerfully in this moment, I want you to ask yourself that. I want you to ask yourself with, with reverence, God, what is it you'd like to see different? Here, if, if you have something, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and we'll, we'll create time for it. There's, there's a prayer request right there in the seat in front of you. If you have something, I'll, and we'll come back to this sheet again. If you have something in the prayer request in front of you, if, you if, God, if you're saying, man, God is revealing this to me, write down what it is that God wants to see different in your life. Challenge you to do that if you have something. You can write it in your notes on, on the app as well, but I want to do something with the physical piece of paper here in a little bit. But when you attribute the idea to God rather than you, the what I would rather like to see different in my life and what God would like to see different in my life, I w- once we attribute it to God, it's going to to- totally change our approach to this. Because think about it, what does God want? Does God want you to show generosity towards somebody? He's done that for me in my life. When, when I was at a point uh, there's been multiple times, but there's been points in my life where I was looking at my means and I had nothing to do what I felt like God was like rolling out for me in my life. And God had spoke to somebody and it made no sense for them, said, I need you to go show generosity to John and Kelsey. And it completely transformed the situation that we were standing in because they listened to what God wanted to do for them. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe God wants you 
to get more involved. Maybe it's in your community. Maybe it's at the school. Maybe it's right here at Heartland. Maybe, maybe it's in our kids and our youth ministry. Maybe it's in our nursery, and God's telling you, you have so much to offer, and even though it makes no sense to you, you need to go and mentor a young man and a young woman. And the age, it might seem crazy to you. It might be an age that up until this point has drove you crazy, but God's put something inside of you. Maybe it's to be a small group leader. Because even though you don't see it, you have what it takes because God's put it inside of you. What do you believe that God wants to be different in your life? A lot of us, we already know, God's probably already, maybe today, maybe before, has already laid it out for us. But if you could, if you, if you want to do that, just write it down in your phone or on that prayer request. What does God want to do different in your life? And it leads us to the second question I want to ask you. And this one is where the power comes from in this whole concept. Why does God want this to be different in your life? Why is God putting that on your heart right now that this is something that needs to change? This is something that needs to be added. Why does God want this to happen? Because when you connect the spiritual why to the what, the power and motivation to accomplish, accomplish it comes. Let, let me give you a couple examples. For some of us, we've made this statement right here. And, and if you have and you're joining the club, is I, you know, we said it before, I want to be healthier. I want to be in better shape. I want to eat right. I want to lift weights. I want to exercise. Well, why? And we'll say things because I'm not in shape and because I know it's not healthy and because I'm kind of overweight. And I found the biggest pair of jeans that was in the back of my closet I've been saving for this, and they barely fit. And that's our Why? As we, we have that, but, but that's not the why. That's our why. And God, if God is putting it on your heart, says that there's something in you. It's a God what? Why does God want you to be in better shape? God, why is it that you want this? And the, the answer is because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And because there's a purpose for you being here. It's a house for God, and God wants you to honor him and your body, and he wants us to live a long and healthy life. He wants that for you. Get this. The spiritual why to it is because God wants you to enjoy the days that you have with your family. The spiritual why for me when that pops up into my mind is because God does not want me to be exhausted and irritable when my kids get home in the afternoons. Because he wants me to be active with them. The spiritual why is because God wants me to be the dad that they deserve. There's a spiritual why to this. He wants you to enjoy your family and get this. He wants your family to enjoy you for a long, long, long time. There's a spiritual why. And when you connect that spiritual why to the what comes the motivation. Some of us, maybe we, our, our why has been, I, I believe God wants, I believe I need to read the Bible more than I ever have this year. And we do that. And in the past, it's always been, I'm going to start reading the Bible from beginning to the end, and I'm going to start in January, and I'm going to read through it. And, and our reason is, is because we want to check off that box, right? We want to check it off so that we can do it. And there's others of us, if you're maybe in our student ministry, or you're in a life group, or, or you come and you're asking for some type of counsel, your why is because when Pastor Matt, Pastor John, Pastor Phil, or one of my small group leaders ask me, well, are you reading your Bible? I want to be able to say yes and not lie to them. And that's your why, but that's, but that's not the why. 
The spiritual why is because God wants to reveal himself personally to us individually through his scripture that he left for us to navigate things in our lives, to show his love to us in our lives through scripture that has endured the tests of time. He wants that for us. I be, maybe it's, I really believe God wants me to be in a small group and he wants me to get plugged in. Well, why do you want to do that? Well, because I'm bored and I know when I'm bored I make stupid choices. That's our why. That's our why. The answer that God says, God's why is because we need to be plugged into a community of believers that have the same end game in mind that we have. We need to be plugged into a group of community of into a community of people that we when we come when we come to them and we tell them what God's put on our lives. They 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 pour gasoline on it and they fan that flame up instead of pouring cold water and they try to stifle it out because they get uncomfortable when you grow. Community is important. Maybe it's to prepare you for times ahead that God can foresee coming and he knows you will not make it through without having people in your lives to pray with you, to guide you, to be in the trenches with you. Maybe God is challenging you to be a more intentional husband or a spouse, a wife, God is challenging you to be more intentional on the small things and not just the label of this is my spouse. And why? Because that sounds good for everybody. You don't even need to talk about that one. We should try to be better husbands and better wives. But what's the spiritual why to that? Why does God want us to serve our spouse more? What's the why? Because there might be, and God might know, there's challenging times ahead for your relationship with your spouse, and the only way through it is getting rooted in the Word and praying together and trusting and believing that God is going to be there and He's going to guide you through. Or maybe, just maybe, God knows the heart of your spouse more than you do. And He's telling us to be more intentional with our spouse because He knows the inner workings of your spouse's mind, their thoughts, their prayers, their hurts, and their frustration, and God's trying to kick us into gear a little bit. Or maybe God's trying to get us to be more intentional as husband and wife because there's a couple in our sphere of influence that needs a godly marriage to be an example more than we could ever imagine. He wants our light to shine brighter as husband and wife and God shining through it because their light is dimming and they need to know where to go. Once we connect the spiritual why with the what, your motivation increases to do what God has asked you to do and I'm telling you, that pleases God. When you know the what and the why, it starts to piece together. So here's what we have to do. We're going to get ready to start landing this. What do we have to do? I think it's simple. We need to stop making excuses. We know that. We say it. We hear it over and over again. But we need to stop it. There's a, there's a story in the Old Testament. Again, I'm just going to paraphrase it the best that I can. I'll, I've got some verses for you. But it comes out of Exodus chapter 4. I challenge you, go back and read Exodus chapter 4. What led to this conversation and what came from this conversation. I believe it. There's power in Scripture and it's there for a reason. Because heading into this, God had called Moses to deliver the Israelites from bondage of slavery from the Egyptians. They were under very, very cruel tax masters, and the people had been crying out for deliverance from this. They were begging God to deliver them from the life that they were living, including Moses. 
Moses had been crying out for him and his people for deliverance. And so God chooses one man and asks him to do something out of his comfort zone. I'm going to tell you, this is why I love God, but also why he frustrates me a little bit. Because when he calls you, sometimes he makes you uncomfortable. And I don't like being uncomfortable, but I'll tell you, I like being used by God. And God pulls him out of his comfort zone. And he, and, he, and, he, and he shows right now, he's, God says to Moses, he says, Moses, you're the guy for this job. He says, jo, jo, uh, Moses, you're my guy. And Moses turns around in conversation with God and says, you're wrong. I'm not your guy. You've got the wrong guy. He's like, you don't know me. People aren't going to believe me. People aren't going to trust me. They're not going to listen to me. He starts going through the laundry list. And he says, no, you are my guy. At least in this conversation, but get this. Before the conversation, God tried to show Moses to trust him with the miracles and the power that he had to prove. Moses, I'm telling you that you're my guy. Watch this. He says, throw your staff down, your walking cane. Throw your staff down on the ground. And it became a snake. All of this, part of this conversation, became a snake. He says, now bend down and pick it up by the tail. Bends down, picks it up, and it becomes a staff again. Miracle. He says, but God, that's, that's great. You performed a miracle. People aren't going to believe that, that I have the power to do anything that you're asking me to do. And he says, reach your hand in your right pocket. Moses reaches his hand in his right pocket. And what happens? He pulls it back out, and it's deathly white. The Bible says white as snow. Sickly. Looks like it should come off. And he says, Moses, put your hand back in your pocket. Puts his hand back in his pocket, pulls it out, completely healed. Miracle after miracle. And then Moses says, but God, this can't be right. I have no stature. I have no influence. Another excuse. He says, go grab some water out of the Nile River. Take it back to the Israelites. Throw that water down, and it's going to turn red like blood. And it will prove my miracle, my power, and it will prove that you are the man for the job. That wasn't enough for Moses. Moses comes back and says, Oh, Lord, it's in four, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. I have never been eloquent and have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. Excuse after excuse after excuse. Even in the midst of God's miracles, he says, but I am still unworthy. I'm still unequipped. I still don't know how I'm going to do it, and I physically can't do it. In other words, I don't like public speaking. I have no influence. Find somebody else. I'll embarrass myself, and God, I'll embarrass you, and I'll fail. I don't want to do this. I'm not good enough. He was looking, what Moses was doing, he was looking at his own limitations, his own inabilities rather than God's limitless abilities. And they were right there in front of him. His limitless abilities, God's power was on full display, but he still focused on his limitations. And man, don't we do the same exact thing in our lives. The Lord said to him after that, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? God's looking at Moses and saying, the same mouth that you curse, the same mouth that you says has no power and no influence, who gave that mouth to you? Who gave the man sight and who made him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And then this, now go, I will help you speak, and teach you what to say. 
I love it when Jeremiah puts it this way. He says, is any, God says to Jeremiah, is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard? I think God is asking some of us in this room as we look down what, it, what we even wrote it down in our notes on our phone or on the prayer request. He's looking at you and you have your own doubts and you've already made excuses on why maybe it hasn't happened and what is going to keep it from happening. And God is looking at us this morning, today, and he's saying, is there anything too hard for me? The answer is no. The answer is no. So here's what I do. Too many times, this is what we do. We diminish God's limitless power by replacing it with our laziness, by our unwillingness, because we let doubts creep in. And we let our doubts and our lack of motivation become more powerful than the God that created us with a purpose. And God goes on to say this to Moses. We just read it, but I want to say it again in verse 12. Moses, quit your whining. Paraphrase. He says, go. Go. I called you for a reason. He's telling us right now, I gave this to you for a reason in this moment. Whether it was a month ago, a year ago, or 10 minutes ago, I gave this to you for a reason. You can go ahead and come up, Pastor Lindsay. And here's what, and here's what I've learned. How can we eliminate obedience? How can we rely on what God is calling us to do? And I think it's simple. Pastor Matt talked about it last week and the week before, is, is it takes obedience, but what does it mean to be obedient? It's said that delayed obedience is in fact disobedience. Here's, here's what God has said to me in times where I'm trying to figure out when to do what God's telling me to do. God, I've prayed about this over and over again. You've told me. God, and I keep on praying and I keep praying. There's been moments where I'm pleading with God, God, I need you to move. And God's answer to me is, John, stop praying and start doing. God, I want to see you restore my marriage. Well, John, stop praying and start doing. Just like he told Moses, well, go and I'll teach you how to speak and I'll be there alongside of you. God, I want to see you move in my work with the people I work with. Well, stop praying about it and start doing something about it. God, I want to start, see you start moving in my kids' lives. Well, stop praying about it and start doing it. Pastor Matt said it last week. I love this statement. He said, obedience is the breeding ground for God's favor. If you want God's favor in your life, it's obedience that gets us there. There's been times where God has told me what he wants to see different, and he's given me the why, and he says, don't you dare delay on this. I'm ready to move, but are you? The reality of the situation sometimes for us in this room, if we're not careful, we'll think that we're waiting on God to move, but in all reality, he's the one waiting on us. He's waiting for us to step out in faith. He's waiting for us to show him that we mean business. He's waiting for us to show him that we're listening and that we're discerning. God's waiting for us. Three years ago on October, it was October 21st, and I've shared this story before. I'm not going to share it in great detail, but um, 
we found ourselves, we found our family in uh, a great deal and a great deal of pain and a huge. It was a huge turbulent time for us, and and it wasn't something that I enjoyed. It's not anything that I would uh, wish on my worst enemy. And and we were going through something in our family three years ago, before this pivot point in our lives, before this moment in our lives, we we had talked with God, and and it, and it really was just that. And with Toby, we talked with God. God, and I think he was like a year old when we said this statement because our hearts were in it. Say, God, if you if if this is supposed to be our family, then we're all in. And if it's not, then let this let this go a different direction. It was a it was five years ago we met God. If this is what it's supposed to be, we're ready to walk it with you. But God, if it's not, then we're not ready to walk this. And and he said, Well, if you're obedient. He said, I've got a plan for you and our family. He, he gave us confirmation in our lives. This is the family I have for you. This is my promise. And he said, now go. And we did. And then three years ago, the rug got pulled out from underneath us. It was terrible. Every single voice that was outside of God's voice in our life started saying, this is not going to happen. Uh, this is how the system works. This is what we're doing. I'm so sorry. We never thought this was going to happen. This was supposed to be, like all of this, this was supposed to be a slam dunk. All of this was coming and none of it was encouraging. And I wanted to be angry. And I wanted to show my anger at God. And I wanted to show people my frustration at God. I wanted to wallow in self-pity. I wanted, I wanted to be upset. I wanted to be sad. I wanted to wear it. And, and, and this is what happened. It was, it was just a couple days after it, the, the bomb went off in our lives, right? God went to two separate people that know nothing about each other on the exact same day, almost at the same time. One of them was my stepdad, and one of them was somebody else. And God told them to go tell John and Kelsey, God, tell them, I'm not done with this yet. Don't give up from my stepdad, and then from somebody else that I didn't even know was a Christ follower. They came to us and said, God told us to say this. And we said, okay, God. I'm going to tell you, it was comforting. It was encouraging. But can I tell you what God didn't give us? A blueprint. He didn't lay out a map for us and say, walk down this path and turn right here and do this and X, Y, and Z. If you do these 15 things or 10 things or five things, everything's going to work. It was nothing like that. He said, now go. And as we went, he put people in our lives that became miracles to us and became blessings to our family. And we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for friends that he had in my life at that point, people in my lives that were mentors, and some people that God spoke to them and said, I need you to go and be with them in this capacity. God did incredible, miraculous things to where we got to celebrate the reward just a month ago. The miracle that we've been praying for finally came to pass after three years from the bad news, six years since he was born. I'm going to tell you right now, God did incredible things, but it took faith and it took us understanding that when he said go, we can go. And I'm going to tell you right now, so we, what we need to figure out in our life is we need to trust God with what he can do or trust, or do, what, do what God calls us to do. And then second is trust God to do with what we can't do. The first thing that we always need to do is do what we can and then trust God with what we can't. And he told us, John, Kelsey, go and do. Have faith and trust me with the rest. And the miracle that we experienced, the miracles that we experienced, God challenged us to do what we could and it was hard and at times it didn't make sense, 
But as we did that, God started to unfold things in our lives behind the scenes that we could have never done in our own power. And with that miracle, here we are three years later, there was a byproduct of that miracle just two weeks ago. Two weeks ago after Kids Church, Toby comes out of there after Kids Church, and they were talking about, I, I love our Kids Church because they, lay, they laid out what a relationship with, Jesus, with, what G, with who Jesus is at such a young age that sometimes we have to keep up. And Toby comes out of there and says, and he comes up to me and my wife, Kelsey, and he says, Mom and Dad, I want to get baptized on the baptism night, which was awesome to hear. But again, as parents of a young child, we're thinking to ourselves, well, well you're young. Are you sure? And we started just asking him questions. You know, what does baptism mean? And he started talking about it. He knew what it was, like where you go in, down with the old, up with the new. So he gave us the whole thing. And we said, but Toby, that's what it is. Why do you want to get baptized? And he looked at Kelsey, and I'll tell you right now, for a kid that doesn't have a serious bone in his body, to a fault, and I'll let you guys all know that was a fault, and he gets it from Kelsey. I swear he does. He looked right at us, and it was actually right at Kelsey, and he said, because I want to let the whole world know, I want to let everybody know how much I love Jesus and what he's done for me. Every night of his life, every night, the last few years, hearing his prayers and what he wanted to see God do in his life is a testament for how powerful God is and how much he loves and cares for each and every single one of us, no matter what happens. And to be able to experience a moment tonight that we never thought that we would ever to get three years ago shows the power and the grace and, and the insurmountable love that God has and what he wants to do. And God said to Moses, go, and when you go, I will teach you, and I will be there with you. It's almost like he says, I'm waiting to show off until you show up. He says, and Moses says, and I will go. So will you stand with me right now as we get ready to pray? There's some of us in this room, and you wrote down, maybe on a prayer request, maybe in your notes, you wrote down what it is that God wants for your life. And if you've done that over this next few minutes as we get ready to close in prayer and then seal this with communion together as a family, I want you today, right now, tonight, write down what excuses you've thrown out in the way of what God wants for you. I know I have a few. I have a few. Busyness, priorities, those get in my way. Sometimes lack of understanding, lack of listening, it can get in my way. So I want you to write that down. But as we get ready to pray, and the worship team's gonna get ready to lead us in a course as we pray and as we, as we prayerfully ask God, God, what is it? Why is it? What gets in my way? Help me avoid it. If you're in this room right now, if you're watching us online at one of our campuses at Wanatal and at Hebron and at North Judson and at Westville, at MPH, if you're watching online, if you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor John, I struggle with making excuses. I've let them become reasons and they're concrete, but truth be told, they're excuses to keep what God wants for me on the back burner. If that's you right now and you're saying, Pastor John, I make excuses and I want to eliminate those excuses. I want to see God's what 
and his why work out in my life. If that's you right now, will you just raise your hand as the worship team is getting ready to go? If that's you, I just want you as the worship team leads us in a song. I want you to pray. I want you to reveal that to God. Be wholly transparent, uncomfortably transparent with God. Because when we're uncomfortably transparent with God, he will move in ways that we never thought he could. So if that's you, I just want you to pray that the worship team's going to lead us. What are those excuses? How can we eliminate them? God, show us your what. Show us your what. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.